Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Thank you for joining us on Why Food Podcast this week. Uh, I'm your co-host, Jenny Dorsey. And I'm Ethan Frisch. And this week, we are joined by Jeremy Lyman, the co-owner of Birch Coffee. I'm a big uh, Birch groupie, so very excited. Thank you, Jeremy, for coming. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So we always kick off the show with the same question, um, and that is your aha moment of when you knew you wanted to be in the food and bev industry and uh, how that happened and where it's led you now. I, I guess I wasn't expecting you to jump right into it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so it, it's, I, I think you're probably the first person to actually put it that way. So it's, uh, um, And you made me think about it a little bit. So I think when I was about 16 or 17, um, I found myself sketching floor plans to a nightclub. I don't oh. think I had actually ever been to a nightclub. <laughs> um, and, and then I, I just, I don't know. It was... Uh, the, the restaurant, there's something to this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you have to be cut out for it. And I didn't know why I was doing that at that age. But, um, you know, then I went to college and I forgot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, and then I started, I started bartending when I was in college. And then when I got out of college, and then I was kind of quickly reminded, oh, yeah, you really, I actually really like this. So um, I did that for a few years. And uh, then I took a break because I kind of just needed to take a break. But the the nightlife industry in, in New York City can can take its toll. Yeah. And, <clears throat> I mean, how did you at, at 16 or 17, like, I don't know, you just sort of sat around the house sketching floor plans? Yeah, like, is no, that, that was, that's that was like a normal 16-year-old Jeremy <laughs> activity? I, it, was, it was just this one particular, I had this, so I mean, we can talk about this yeah. vision that I had. Yeah. Um, it was a two-floor nightclub. Okay. <laughs> it, it only served eggs. Like it served, e- well, it served liquor and, and you know, and eggs, um, and eggs yeah, that's because the thing that was what I, th- that was what I thought people wanted at two yeah. o'clock in the morning Wait, when their night was done. Well, any type of egg omelet that you can imagine. I mean, there'd be a specific <laughs> menu, but, um, and then what I actually thought about later was that there was a point where I thought we can spike, uh, we can basically sell spiked coffee. Oh. And I didn't even think about that until just now. But that was part of that was part of this two floor vision nightclub idea, and which it never panned out. <laughs> well, it, it, it still might. It's yeah, nice. you never know. Yeah. You never know. You never pitched this to anyone. That I never you were bartending. Did. No, no, no. no. I, I think it's kind of a terrible idea. You could no. do a, an egg pop up in one of your uh, birch yeah. locations. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. we used to sell food. We used to sell like sandwiches, which we were chatting yeah. about before. But uh, yeah, no, food is I'm not interested. Okay. Well, no, th- <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah. let's talk about that. I mean, Birch has evolved, as we were talking about earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. Can you tell us what the original <clears throat> idea was and how it's kind of turned out to be where it is today? So it it was uh, honestly, 
it started because I wanted to play whatever music that I wanted to listen to inside of wherever I was. And I liked doing crossword puzzles. So I wanted to just be able to sit around and do crossword puzzles and, and listen to I actually electronic. I'm, I'm a big progressive trance fan, okay. Okay. which nobody ever expects me to say. Um, but yeah, that's and actually so right now it's supposed to be playing in one of the stores. There's a there's a radio <laughs> show, which which we've been playing for years. Um, but they probably aren't playing it because I'm not there. <laughs> I think if That's I was there, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and it's funny because I, I think I've done maybe three or four crossword puzzles over the last eight years inside of a store. I just don't have the time to do yeah. it, but that, that's kind of where it started. I wanted to create a space where people could feel comfortable mm-hmm. and be themselves. And, um, it's hard to find. And it's also, you know, with the coffee industry, we, we got, we were very lucky. We got into it about eight little over eight years ago and the, the the scene was just starting to kind of scratch the surface in new york so i mean there was guys like um joe had been around for for a few years and uh, we opened a little bit after like grumpy um so they kind of set the stage for the for the standard of it um and one of the things that we i guess my business partner paul and i kind of found was that there was this there was this gap in, in service and we both, I mean, I came from restaurants. I came from the service industry and my, my business partner, Paul, I'm just going to call him Paul from now on. Um, so Paul came from restaurants as well. And we both, that was what we knew. We didn't know anything about coffee, Mm -hmm. which I think we're very fortunate that that was the case uh, because it kind of started us a little bit more humbly. Mm -hmm. Um, we were able to learn, uh, what it was that we needed to know about coffee, but we knew, we knew service, and I, I don't think going into it, we thought we're going to bring excellent customer service. I think that's simply just what naturally started to evolve. What did you see as missing specifically when you first started in coffee shops? Um, the approachability—it it, doesn't—it's not the most approachable product mm-hmm. because it's 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 nuanced, and there's a lot of things that are happening with coffee um, as far as where it's coming from, and there's grading that's involved with coffee. Um, and so that's something that we really wanted to, like, we wanted to give people information if they wanted it. Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily want to force feed information down people's throats, um, which can sometimes happen. If you walk into a coffee shop and you ask for something, um, you know, and there could be an eye roll. Not a, not one of my stories. No, of course, <laughs> of course not. Um, um, so, but, well, what brought you to coffee uh, initially? I mean, you could have opened... Your, your egg-themed nightclub or any uh, other kind. Yeah, yeah. um, so uh, I actually, so it was, I mean, the, my second idea, which still, I, I, I don't understand how this is not a thing, but laundromat bars. That was that was this <laughs> other idea that, that I had. I think some people are trying it. Yeah, I, I thought maybe there was like insurance liabilities, but I, I don't know. But um, that was the second idea that I had, and I still don't know why that's not a thing. But... Um, so I, I don't drink alcohol. Um, and I think that would have just doing a restaurant, doing something bar related, I, I think just wouldn't have been something I was super passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I, coffee is who doesn't like coffee, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a small percentage, but it's, it's like, I think it's the, they're wrong. <laughs> so, um, it's the second I think it's the second highest traded commodity in the world. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, second to, uh, what is it, oil? 
but yeah. but it's also obviously an extremely crowded and competitive market, and maybe has gotten more so in the last eight years mm-hmm. that you've been around. Yeah, I, it's uh, for sure. Uh, it, I think it's slowed as far as independent people coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few kind of. I'm putting quotes like big players in in New York City. Yep. Um, and I think there's a loyal following to to those places. But I, I don't think I think it's important that people aren't that I'm not resting on my laurels and I'm not saying oh people are just going to come anyway. It's uh, no because there there are people that will open up. We've had people literally open up coffee shops within two doors of our coffee shop just to get our runoff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Um, what do you do in that scenario? So uh, we pay close attention. You know, I, 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 a lot of I know a lot of people. They'll get mad, and sure, at first it's like it stings, you mm-hmm. know. But um, that can't be the driving force between you know. Uh, you need to evolve, and if you need to do something different, um, and if you are losing business, it's not just because they have a better product. There's something else mm-hmm. that's happening, um, and so I, I think it's really important that everyone is just kind of. You know, that our guys are staying on their toes and paying attention. And what are some of the, the innovations that you've introduced? Or uh, Tell us about s- some examples of that process. Um, the, the other, you know, and just to your question, um, I think a lot of people will avoid doing certain things based on the fear of what they will lose, right? Mm-hmm. So um, Wi-Fi is a huge thing, and we were talking about this before. Wi-Fi is huge. Everyone just, and, and people expect it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People just expect it. Like, it's not, do you have Wi-Fi? It's, what is your Wi-Fi password? Yeah. Right? So, um, we don't have Wi-Fi. And I'm very... <laughs> <laughs> Such a controversial... Uh, yeah. Decision. So, and I'm, like, I'm happy to say that. Because you can, you can go to the subway. Like, not the store. So, you can go to <laughs> below the ground, below the earth. Yeah. And you can get Wi-Fi in the subway. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think a coffee shop... At its core, at its essence, is about communication and, mm-hmm. and talking. And um, we, I, me and I, so I have a video producer that we work with, and we've been like going back and forth on di- different ideas for videos. And um, there's one concept that I kind of threw out there. It's like you literally, like you can be in a coffee shop and you can be sitting next to your future partner, mm-hmm. your future partner, right? And what are you doing? You're on your phone. You're just like swipe, swipe, left, 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 right, you know, <laughs> and, and not even knowing that you can actually have a conversation with the person next to you. And it's like, it's just so, there's, there's so much more fulfillment, I think, with this kind of interaction, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, with face-to-face, with being in, in person. Um, and uh, body language is, I mean, that's m- the majority of communication. Yeah. And so uh, that's, it's really important. We wanted to kind of stay true to that. And so we, encar- we, don't, we don't give people the boot. If you want to use your computer, by all means. Yeah. Um, but we just feel like by us not offering it, it maybe fosters a little bit more conversation. And so that was one, that was one thing. But we didn't want to just say no Wi-Fi. And so for us, it's important to add we need to add something, bring something to the table instead mm-hmm. of just saying, no, 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 we're taking away, taking away, taking away. Um, and so we have these conversation starters. We call it the Ignition Initiative. It's hard to say five times fast, I think. <laughs> um, but they're a little table, like they're cards you put on your table in front of you only if you are open to a conversation. Mm-hmm. And it, it totally puts people out of their comfort zone. And it's a good thing. You know, that, that's where, for me, that's where the magic happens. 
when you're not comfortable, yeah. right? When you just go about your regular day and you're just like doing whatever it is that you're doing and you're not doing anything different, you're, I, I think I'm missing out. We're missing out on, on just this major, major potential of what is in front of us. You know, and everyone walks down the street, they're looking in their phone. It's like, look up. What have you seen like customers reacting to this? And- oh, so we've, people love it. Um, we've had, we've gotten emails from people saying, Hey, can we take photos in your, in your store? Because we're getting engaged and we met through this thing. And that's like the, that's the that's coolest so thing. That's the coolest thing. Yeah. And you know? what's that dynamic? Like somebody picks up a card that has a question like what? And hey, then- all it, all it does, honestly, it's, I don't even think it matters what the question yes. is. Yeah. It's just, you're basically saying, Hi. <laughs> I'm open to you sitting down across from me and talking to me. Yeah. That's what it says. And and some people, if I see that on a table, I will sit there and I will start talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, I mean, this says a lot about kind of like the Birch culture and just the brand that you've been able to foster. Can you talk about like, what were you thinking when you first started Birch? Like, is did you have this in mind or how did it evolve organically? <laughs> Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think, I think all of this just kind of evolved on its own. It, it almost seems as though it's kind of taken a life of its own. The, mm-hmm. the brand itself has, has, has its own voice. And, um, while I'd like to think that I'm kind of in control of that, it's, it's not really, you know, there's. Is it, you know, we went from, it was just me and my business partner, it was me and Paul, and, and then we hired a, you know, a few baristas here and there, and, um, and then a crew, and now we're, we have about, I think, 90-something, maybe 100 employees. Oh, wow. Um, and everybody brings something different to the table, and everybody has their own voice, and we try to bring people on board who share a similar vision and, and um, want to see the type of things happen within within the business and, and at the end of the day it's a service 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 yeah. like we can't I, I can't stress it enough um, but it's it's difficult you know because everybody's different and we all like different things we all find certain things acceptable we all find certain different things unacceptable mm-hmm. and so it's finding that balance and you know when when a customer comes into the store what works for them is not going to necessarily work for the person that's behind them, you know? And so if we make a mistake and we don't make somebody's cappuccino hot enough, that person might be very okay with it. The mm-hmm. next person that we don't do that with, they might literally want my home address to like, you know, <laughs> send me a letter. Um, so it's, everyone's different, you sure. know? And so we, we try to really, uh, you know, my, so Paul's mother um, I'll let her know to listen after the fact. <laughs> um, she has this thing that she says, Patty, and she says, everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a story. And we just don't know. Someone could come in after having found out the worst news. And now we have an opportunity to make their life just slightly better. Mm-hmm. And we won't even know that we did it. And that's the goal. That, the goal is to treat every single customer that way. Um, and so we, we stress that, but it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, because baristas, maybe they're not having the best day and that that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And, and for you, um, as a founder of the company with a pretty clear vision, uh, it sounds like, how do you, how do you manage discrepancies between your vision and the visions of your employees? 
and uh, whether whether that's momentary, somebody's just mm-hmm. having a bad day, and or or it's kind of more fundamental. So the it, it's okay if certain things happen. It's about whether or not they recur, mm-hmm. and if I see that something is happen again, happening again and again and again, and I do nothing about it, that's on and that's on me. Yeah, and so I'm. I'm just constantly paying attention to, to what is happening. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll go into a store and I'll have my headphones in, but there won't be anything playing because I'll be <laughs> sitting there li- just listening. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, I mean, it's critical. It's my, it is my job to make sure that I'm paying attention to what, to what is happening in the store. And if I'm, if I'm not doing that, then, um, you know, I'm doing the company a disservice. Yeah. So um, it's about not allowing those things to continue to, to go on. You yeah. mentioned earlier um, just about that leadership development for on your part is, you know, even if sometimes you see some things are wrong, you might not call out right away, but rather bring it up in a more, you know, productive, conducive way later down the line and how that wasn't always your approach. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, too? Yeah. And how you learned that. How you learned that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I mean, you generally tend to learn it the hard way, right? So <laughs> as, as we learn um, most things, unfortunately. Yeah. So it, you know, I would I would see things that were wrong, but the stuff that that I I wasn't paying attention to the right things. Mm-hmm. You know, so my focus was on the tiny little things that pretty much no customers notice, and that's that's the thing. I literally going into a coffee shop is ruined. I can't go into a coffee shop and not constantly be the you know whether it's my, one of mine or, or not, and just constantly paying attention to what what it is that they're doing, what's not working, what's working. Um, but when I would go into a store and I'd see something wrong, if I would call somebody out on it, it it didn't do anything. Like it just didn't do anything productive and it just made somebody, you know, I, I, I had this revelation probably about a month ago. Mm -hmm. Like this is very, very new, but when, when the owner of a company, when your, your boss is boss is boss, you know, kind of points out something that you've done that's incorrect you're afraid yeah. I, I mean yeah. there, there's a fear yeah. there's a fear sure. that I'm gonna lose my job mm-hmm. and um, and that's a big part of why I really try to focus on not not doing that because I what comes out of my mouth is is significant you know when it comes to when it comes to the company and so by me avoiding doing and saying things like that, um, everybody's happier, and that ultimately, that's that we want everyone to enjoy coming to work. And if someone is going to come into work thinking, "Oh my God, what if Jeremy comes in and sees that you know the the straws are there's no straws," you know, he's going to freak out. It's like, I, no, I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to freak out. So, um, I'm just going to take a note, and I'll I'll wait. I I try to say something when I think I no longer need to say it, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like if you if you feel like you need to say something, it's important that you just kind of keep your mouth shut. So what are, what are the things that you notice that uh, that customers don't? Or when you walk into a coffee shop, what are your yeah. indicators? And in one of one of or mine, either or yours or or somebody else's. Well, I mean, there are certain like so. Sometimes the trash is overflowing. Mm. Yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they run out of sugars. Had it run out of sleeves. Um, when there's dishes on the table, mm-hmm. like those are things that you know they're they're small, but every single thing. That so, if a customer has to, 
the customer has to clean their own table. Yeah. Like it's just one of those things they shouldn't have to think about. Like they shouldn't have to bust their own table. It should yep. be it should be empty because most of the time people don't like to disrupt. And so they'll leave that stuff on the table and they won't do anything. It's like think about it. If you're if you're on the bus, right? And someone's sitting on the outer seat, most people don't say, "Excuse me, can I go sit on the inside?" Mm-hmm. They just stand. And so everyone's standing and you have this seat that's empty next to this person. People don't like to disrupt. It's just what it it's just how it is. Yeah. And so um, it, it's almost like they feel like they're putting us out. It's like, um, hey, would you mind, you know, can someone clean that table? Yeah. I mean, people don't like to do that. And so uh, we, we just never want people to feel like they're putting us out. And so anything that we can do, and it, it comes down, I mean, this is, seems silly, but if you go to the restroom, right, and you have to start a new roll of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're huge like it's it's annoying it's like and it becomes one ply and then it's a half a ply <laughs> yeah, and then it's a two ply right and so now you've wasted half of this roll of toilet paper and so that's that's just another thing it's a tiny tiny thing that we can do so that a customer doesn't have to deal with it it's like when you go to a hotel there's mm-hmm. always that little triangle yeah. right mm-hmm. and that's why i want to pivot to a little bit of the backstory of how you met paul and how mm-hmm. you guys have developed this amazing relationship i mean this is a really significant relationship that's lasted for a long time and how do you you know balance each other's personalities and you know get used to each other um i i can't say enough good things about about paul um as we were talking about before (laughs) it it wasn't like that in the beginning uh and um with with any with any new relationship Mm. there takes there's some time that it takes for you to get used to one another. And um, Paul used to do this thing where I would <laughs> I, he would try to get my attention. And so he would kind of just poke. He would poke my shoulder. And I like I, I kind of went with it for, <laughs> for, for a little while. And then it, I, I think I was we were in we we're in D.C. Uh, we went for our first coffee convention because they have these coffee conventions, which are really awesome. So this one was called Coffee Fest. Um, if you happen to be in the Baltimore area in uh, in March, I would definitely go check it out. But um, so we went. It was ten years ago. It was ten years ago in two thousand eight, and we were there for the weekend. And you know, I was staying in a hotel. Like it was just I, we were sharing a hotel room, and it was two o'clock in the morning. We both drank tons of espresso. That, you know, <laughs> at like six yeah. o'clock the night before. And just trying to take, just trying to get as much information as we could about about coffee. We were taking all these classes, um, and so you know, I, I it's we were spending a lot of time with one another. And he would do this thing, and I at, at a certain point, I just I was like, "You have to stop poking my shoulder." <laughs> and we both like laughed eventually, um, <laughs> not immediately, and not immediately. <laughs> um, but that was it, you know. And and so for me, the you know, so Paul and I met. Uh, we met 13, probably about 13 and a half years ago. Um, and, you know, we were friends at first. And then I just kind of mentioned in passing that I was working on this coffee shop idea. And he kind of invited himself along, which, which he, he openly admits and talks about. So I'm not really throwing him under the bus. But um, and then I think in the beginning, I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm fine. I got this on my own. And then uh, I don't know, maybe a few months later. Um, cause it, I would, I was working in a job. I worked at um, a mortgage company and I, Oh, 
Oh, can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, well, we talked about how we were not going to talk about this. Um, you know, I, I didn't like it. But I would only work on this project when I had a bad day. Uh-huh. And I think that I think that's it's worth noting um, because then I'd have a good day and I would like kind of forget and I'd be like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then I'd have a bad day and I'd pick it up again. And so, um, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll get to a point where we kind of talk about just maybe some tips, but um, you don't have to wait for things to be really bad all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you can actually take action and, and do stuff and, and be positive, um, even if things are still OK. You know, because ultimately it's, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I was just like, I think I just reached out to Paul. I said, hey, would you, would you, would you mind just looking mm-hmm. into this? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of where it started. Um, and it's, it's evolved. You know, he, he and I communicate, I, I think, very, very well. He sees me just as much, if not more so, than his wife. <laughs> <laughs> um which I'm not going to comment as to whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, he, Paul, Paul and his wife, his wife actually, Kara, she works for us and she's, uh, she's a rock star. So, um, but it, it's challenging, you know, with any relationship, it's, it's challenging and communication is cr- critical. Like I can't speak more to how communication will, it will save just like it saves marriages. It's it. Communications will save business partnerships. And uh, he and I, there, there was a point where we were, you know, it was, it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we went to couples therapy. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it a, a relationship, like a, a couples counselor? Or no, was, was there a, a no, particular uh, business partner angle to it? it well, yeah, it was, it was all, it was mostly, I mean, it was the focus, overall the focus was business, but... That's that's not where the communicate the communication is all on an interpersonal level. Sure. It's mm-hmm. it's you know if you're not communicating, that means that you feel like there's there's something that's holding you back from you know and, and you can't wait for there to be like this crate like for it to build and build and build yeah. and then all of a sudden it's just like you lash out. Um, it doesn't work that way. So um, bringing things up on a reg- fairly regular basis if there is something to be brought up. Um, and it's tough. And, you know, sometimes you'll keep something to yourself because you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you're putting too much emphasis on, like, uh, on your ability to really have that impact on somebody. And it's not, you know, it's not, it's not really reality. Yeah. So there, there needs to just constantly be dialogue. And um, I don't know. I, I don't think there is oversharing with, with Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times where I tell him things and he just, he laughs and he's like, man, I, I like to kind of live vicariously through you. He's, he's married and has a bunch of kids. <laughs> I'm, I am very much not married. Um, and don't have any kids? And or? I don't have any, I have two pit bulls. Which are um, like children. Yeah, but I can leave them home alone. And <laughs> I don't have to worry about um, getting a dog sitter. And but, there any major like key things that you could share in terms of, from the therapist um, in terms of like bettering the communication. Uh, so we, we had, I mean, there was this thing that we did where basically we would talk about our, our feelings and, you know, and there were things that I would say that he reacted to, you okay. know? Um, and it was, I mean, it was, it was intense. It was intense. So, um, but it, it, it was just, it was simply a reminder 
that if we let things go on for too long without talking about them, they boil up and it just turns into something way, way more than it actually needed to be. Um, and a lot of it, is, I mean, it's all fear. It all comes out of, I, I'm afraid that, you know, like that you're going to leave the company. There's all these things that are not, they're not real. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're talking about them and it's just, uh, it's, it's critical. Just like with, again, like with any relationship, it's super, super important. And delineation of responsibilities. How did that come about in terms of what he's in charge of? Yeah. What you're in charge of. So it was, it was a very, very natural kind of progression, um, or, you know, separation. Uh, he is, he's a foodie. He's a big foodie. And so he loves, just tastes and flavors and so it was very very natural for him to take on the role of coffee mm-hmm. so he sources um, he grades all of our coffee um, he oversees roasting he oversees training um, and he does it re- he does it really well um, and he's it's a di- it's a completely different language I mean it's like an advanced sommelier that takes years to, to study for yeah. um, like they'll drop different types of acids into a cup of coffee and you have to pick out oh like lactic you know um citric it's 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 like uh no thank you (laughs) (laughs) for me at least so um and i like i i feel like i kind of represent so there's we we like to break the category down as far as percentage wise between 10 percent of our customers are really coffee like coffee geeks really know a lot about coffee 90% 90% just want to come in, get a cup of coffee, and go about their day. And, and want that, the experience of feeling good about coming into a coffee shop, and, and that's that. So um, I represent, I think, the 90%, mm-hmm. where Paul represents the 10%. Um, but if we're satisfying the 10%, then everybody else will be satisfied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's a, you know, there was, uh, this is back to back to customer service. So we had this... I, if I walk into a coffee shop and somebody says, hey, what's up, bro? <laughs> I, it drives me insane. Why? Or I, because who am I? I'm, I'm not your bro. <laughs> you know, if like I'm going to a random coffee shop, it's like, I, I, you know, like I'm a customer. Speak mm-hmm. to me like like a human being yeah. and, and don't, you know. So. Um, so how does what's the how does that connect to the the 90 percent? Well, I mean, you got yeah. yeah. So um, so basically. There, most people are okay with it. I'm, I feel like I'm kind of the outlier. Like, I'm like, no, don't talk to me that way. But most people are okay with it. But there are some people who are absolutely not okay with that. Mm-hmm. Or like, hey, what's up, man? Hey, dude. Like, it's, it's this personal, like, it, it's, you, you're trying to make this personal connection. But there's some times where it's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And so even if that inappropriate is 5%, if you are court like if you're respectful to everybody on the same level mm. you cover everybody you don't just you're not you're not you know excluding the five percent and that's that's basically yeah. you know kind of how they're related yeah yeah you just had to let me get there <laughs> sorry Jeez, um, we're gonna take a quick break for uh, a word from our sponsor we'll be back in a couple of minutes with uh with jeremy lyman of birch coffee Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. 
From papayas and samosas to reishi mushrooms, if it's something that sounds delicious, chances are you'll find the freshest, best version of it at Whole Foods Market. They have more than 400 stores across the country, so if you consider pizza its own food group or just can't imagine when avocado toast wasn't a thing, Whole Foods Market has you covered. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store near you. Whole Foods Market. Whatever makes you whole. Hi, this is Why Food. I'm Ethan Frisch. I'm Jenny Dorsey. And we are here with Jeremy Lyman of Birch Coffee. Um, so, Jeremy, you just took your first vacation in eight years, uh, which is uh, uh, an impressive... What, what's impressive? A stretch of time without <laughs> taking a vacation. Uh, um, what, what was that like, stepping away from the business after having yeah. not stepped away for so long? What did you do? So, um, so I've, been, I've been dying to go to Australia for probably forever, like for a really long time. Yeah. And um, I... I've never felt comfortable enough leaving, just leaving. Mm. I've, I've gone away for like a couple of days here and there. Uh, I've traveled for, for work. Like we go, you know, I'll go once or, you know, once every year or two, I'll go to, I mean, I went to Africa last year. Uh, maybe it was two years ago now. It's 2018. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I went to Africa and, but this was, this was a time for me to just kind of turn off and, um, it was the best. It was just the best. And I didn't want to leave. I actually didn't want to leave. And when I came back, I was trying to figure out how to go back. Like how to make a business play so that I can end up going back to, to Australia and to Melbourne. Um, Melbourne. No. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you? I mean, there's a sort of Australian coffee shop culture yeah, has become so really big. That, that was... Basically, why I wanted to go there in the first place, just to see what their culture was like, and uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the coffee is really, really good. Uh, they're very, very serious about their coffee, and um, it was just like over. And it was summer. Yeah. Yeah. So come on. Yeah. You know, like on the beach, it was. I think there was a heat wave at a certain point. It was like a hundred degrees, but I think it was like thirty degrees. They go by Celsius. Yeah. So, um, and um, and I, you know, I met. I mean, I met a ton of people, and I think one of my friends is listening now. So hi, Alice. <laughs> What's uh, different about their culture or their coffee culture versus ours? So um, it's very. When you go into a restaurant here, sometimes you'll get an espresso, which is just it, it's mind blowing. But um, I don't know if we can say that. <laughs> we espresso, say the the brand. Uh, yeah, I, it, look, it, it, it's good for what it is. But you know, to be going to a five star restaurant and, and getting uh, that. Yeah. Is not mm-hmm. I, I, but I went to we went to this burger joint um, in like by Torquay, so by Bell's Beach, where like Quicksilver their headquarters is, and they had a Slayer. They had this twenty thousand dollar espresso machine. Wow! On the bar, and there it, it's just a lot more of a focus, uh, which was kind of nice to see. And I I walked into a shop. Nobody like they didn't know who I was. I didn't really announce my hey, um, <laughs> um, but they would. They just started talking to me about yeah. scoring, and it's like, oh, this is ninety plus, and and so ninety is a, is a score as a coffees coffees get scored on a scale of a hundred. And yeah, I mean, it's yeah. literally. It, there's I don't know if I've seen a hundred. 
um, even oh, wow. e- like anything over a 90 is just it's very they're very expensive yeah um, so we buy everything that's 85 and up um, so that's all we buy mm-hmm. um, specialty is so there's arabica I and mean, we can go down this coffee yeah, yeah, yeah. Coffee <laughs> rabbit hole um, so there's arabica and there's robusta right mm-hmm. so robusta is about 80 percent of what's grown in the world so that's everything you pretty much find in the supermarkets, all the instant stuff, yeah. folders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Arabica. Arabica, it's, it just it grows differently and it needs more higher elevations and it just yep. requires you know, better, uh, a better environment. Um, and it's, it's a lot more difficult to grow. Yeah. Um, and then once you get into the Arabica, there's specialty grade, which is basically anything that scores above an 80 um, so people who score it are, you know, Paul has the certification. He's a Q grader. So he can score um, specialty coffee. Oh. So anything we buy is basically 80 and above. So it, it's good. It's a really good quality product. Um, and so when I walked into the store, he's like, yeah, this one's a 90 plus. Um, I'm not going to do the accent. <laughs> but um, but I, he didn't know me from Adam. Yeah. And so, but it was just, it just speaks to how they engage their customers where, you know, um, either the customer will know or they'll say, oh, what does that mean? A 90 plus. Yeah. People so, are really in- interested in it. Um, and the country, it was just, it was awesome. It was just beautiful. And I, I loved every second of it. So, well, welcome back. We're <laughs> yeah. almost sad that you're here. Yeah. But, no, no, no. Uh, it's good to be here. Everyone's like, were you away? You're tan. <laughs> yes, I was. Well, yeah. can you talk a little bit about like, uh, you have been running this business for these, all these years and yeah. like. How a how was it to let go and also b how did you know you were ready to do that? Like, yeah, um, one of one of my favorite sayings uh, is uh, "let go or get dragged," and I was getting <laughs> I was getting dragged <laughs> for eight years. I mean, not for eight <laughs> yeah. years, but you know, it was. It, it took me a few years to really understand that there I needed to just I, I needed to simply have faith that other people were going to be able to do things that I that I can do or certain things that I can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I when I kind of opened up to that, um, things actually started to shift. Um, I you know like we were talking about before it's I I've always loved I love what I do I feel like I was actually meant to do this which mm-hmm. is a, such a gift um, but I wasn't happy in the beginning and um, trying to figure out why and it was a lot of it was because I felt as though if it wasn't done my way it was not being done correctly mm-hmm. um, and and just the the arrogance of that of that statement it's i didn't know i didn't know what i'm doing <laughs> you know i'd yeah. never i'd never opened a business before sure. um i was determining whether or not we could write checks based on how much money was in our bank account not how much was out pending right we would write checks and then i'd be like oh they haven't cashed yet and i would look at this number be like oh we can write these checks uh-huh. and who you can't run a business that way it just doesn't make sense and so we had again i had to learn the hard way i had to learn through oh i have to pay a bounce check fee <laughs> so you learn the hard way and that's the only way to learn and you you can never make a mistake if you constantly learn from the errors that you're you know that you're making um so there's like there's no such thing as a failure failure is if you fail and you do nothing yeah if you don't learn from it that's a failure but if you fail 
and you learn what it is to not make to not do that same thing it's a, that's a win that's a total win and and how did you learn that i mean we were talking a little over lunch earlier uh, about the process of of understanding that uh, the role that you played and how that role has changed over time in your business. So, uh, how did you figure that process out? By going through it, you know. I, um, you know, we we were talking earlier about how. So, we lost our first lease uh, at at our first store, and the way the way that the store was laid out was it was laid out by someone myself <laughs> who had never ever <laughs> laid out a store. Except your your two story. Except my two story egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was just yeah. That was uh, I didn't really lay that out. I was just kind of a square drawing. <laughs> um, but so I you know that was that was I, I had to learn from that mistake. And then when we moved it, we basically realized that when two people or three people were standing inside the original store. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were at the counter. Like the first person was at the front counter and the other person was at the door. And so when people were walking past outside, they would see someone, they didn't see how many people were in line. They would strictly see someone standing by the door. And so when someone sees someone by the door, they just keep walking because they don't want to wait. They think it's going to be a really long wait. Mm -hmm. So when we moved, we basically put the, we put the register kind of on the opposite end of where the door was. So about 15 to 20 people can actually fit inside the store before you see anyone me, before door. someone's at the door. And so it I mean business revenue increased by I think it was like 20% within That's a few crazy, mo- within a few months. It was it was unbelievable. And you know, and then we realized okay, and now we know how this is how we have to lay out a store. And so we we always pitch our line. So there's always just, you know, interesting. Yeah, I don't like. I don't want to put ropes up ever. I feel like that's really presumptuous. <laughs> and, and silly. You'd be the Abercrombie and Fitch in yeah, Midtown. Right? Yeah, and then we'll get guys outside and standing outside in front of, in front of the store with their shirts like open. <laughs> hey, come on in. Um, you also, for the first store, opened with a food concept. Um, um, I don't know if I'd call it a concept. <laughs> <laughs> it was just food. I, I, it was. Um, it was a food concept. It was grilled cheese. It was comfort food. It was like. Uh, um higher elevated elevated grilled cheeses and sandwiches and salads um and i it was i (laughs) (laughs) why why did you yeah it was it was it was just it was tricky you know um i'm not a food person i mean i there's two different i think there's two different kinds of people in this world there's people that live to eat yeah and there are people that eat to live I am in the latter category. I eat to live. Um, so, I, you know, I, I enjoy an occasional, like, really good meal, like when the pizza we just had. Um, but it, I wasn't into it enough for me to want to take it to the next level. And with food costs and the labor, and it, 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 changes, it changes the entire dynamic. But what I will say is we were super afraid to remove the menu. Mm-hmm. You know, to remove the food, menu. we're like, oh, people are never going to come back. And when you're ta- when you're making decisions like that, when you're when they're fear based, they're generally the wrong decision. And so now our revenue is is far, it's far surpassed what it was when we had food. Um, we can get through more customers because we can actually. I mean, someone was like, well, I want grilled cheese, but 
can you put a little bit less oh. cheese? You know, so, and this yeah. is like happening at the register. It's yeah. not like this is at a, a table. So it just increased how many more people we could actually see in a day. And so we saw our ticket spike. Uh, and so that was it, was, it was kind of a no-brainer, but it did take us a little bit longer than it should have uh, to remove the food menu. But I'm, I'm very happy we did. I still, like my, my mom, um, I, I love my mom. I met your mom. Did you? She, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> so, um, so my mom will literally be walking down the street and she'll see someone with a coffee cup and she'll be like, oh, you know where you should totally go? You should. <laughs> and she's like, she's a huge, huge she's like a walking advertisement. Um, and she was talking to somebody and she did that whole thing. And the person started talking about our, our grilled cheeses and our salad. She's like, yeah, you know, and she like starts to explain why, <laughs> why, why we got rid of it. But um, the way it just it, it didn't make sense for us to do to continue, especially with the growth, because I can I can open a store with 220 square feet. We just mm-hmm. opened one um, on Ninth Avenue and 57th Street. That's pretty big for a coffee shop. That's tiny. Oh, tiny. Oh. Two hundred twenty oh, square feet. Two hundred twenty. Two twenty. Yeah, yeah. No, not twenty-two. Oh my god. Yeah. I would That'd be never a very do, large. No, that's crazy. So my my roast my the roast house is four thousand square feet, yeah. but it's huge. I mean, the, it's production, and that's where mm-hmm. my office is, and that's where training happens. Um, Two hundred twenty square feet is probably smaller than this studio. Yeah. I mean, it's it's small. Yeah. Um, and so I couldn't open a store like that and not and and open it with food. I just couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. And so in order to kind of keep to the nature of the brand and, and what it is that it represents, um, it, it, we, we just kind of had to abandon it and be okay with it. And we're fine with it. We're like glad yeah. that, that, that we don't do that anymore. And you do have a roaster now. Can you talk a little bit about that transition too? Uh, yeah. So in the beginning, we bought coffee from, um, you know, from a, a roaster up in, up in Westchester. And um, we wanted to do something a little bit more. We wanted to start to have more control over what it was that we were roasting and, and the flavor profile. And that wasn't something that he was interested in doing. So we found someone that was willing to kind of participate. And so um, he would kind of white label it for us. But you know, we, he would send stuff to us and we'd say, this is good. This isn't good. Let's maybe try blending it this way. And, um, and that worked for, for about another year, year and a half. And Paul, he just, he got really antsy. And I mean, rightfully so. Like we, I think at this point we had three stores um, and it just, it kind of made sense. So um, he started taking over some of the roasting when we were doing it. We were doing it in Jersey. Um, and then I started to look for space for us to, to open up a roastery. Um, I think we opened, it was three, a little over three years ago that we opened the oh. roastery. Yeah, Where uh, it's, is fourth it? out, it's in Long Island City. Um, on 23rd Street, and it's right, literally right over the 59th Street Bridge. Yeah. Oh, right. uh, it's super close. Yeah. So um, the space is awesome. It smells fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, we have our cupping lab, which is uh, so cupping is not like what um, Phelps, the guy, the, what he did with it when he's swimming. Oh, like yeah. not not that not oh, that yeah. kind of cupping. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, where it's basically we're tasting the quality of the coffee. And we do it after every roast. Like oh, well. after every single roast, we, we cup just to make sure that it's exactly what it's supposed to be. And um, that's where my office is. And um, we also have a little store there, which is, 
It's adorable. Yeah. It's was adorable. That, was that a scary capital investment? Um, the they're all, they're yeah, they're all, all scary, scary capital. capital. <laughs> but you know, what's, what's amazing now is we have, um, we have a bank that we work with who they, they, they are so helpful, so helpful. And any questions we have they're they're wonderful. Um, and so we've been able to take out a bunch of small business loans, um, to help open up, you know, a few of the stores and, you know, we've also been fortunate enough that we've been able to use some of the profits in order to kind of put in to open up a, like the, the store that we opened on Columbus, uh, sorry, on Ninth uh, Avenue, which is a small space. Um, we got very lucky. It was a coffee shop before. And so there was very minimal, there was a minimal amount of work that we had to do. And it was mainly cosmetic mm-hmm. um, in order to get it to what it looks like now and to kind of just for us to put our, put our brand on it. Um, and so we're able to pay for that kind of on our own, which is great. Now, you know, we're, we're pushing pause on growth for 2018. Um, 2019 is a different story. <laughs> um, but we're, we're very excited. We're just, we're, we're looking to really move in, an, in more of an innovative direction uh, with some of the stuff that we're doing and um, some of the products that we offer and some of the content that we have on our website, which is uh, super, super exciting. Tell us more. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, so Paul moved to New York to be uh, to be an actor, and so he's trained. I am, on the other hand, I'm not a trained actor. Um, however, uh, <laughs> um, the videos that we shot would maybe perhaps tell you a different story. Um, so we, what we found over the years is that coffee, it, again, like we talked about, it, it it isn't always made as accessible as we would like for it to be. And so what we did was we created brewing videos. So we, we created a, a drip coffee, a French press, a pour over, and a Chemex. We created all of these videos in the style of a certain film. So French press is film noir. Um, I won't give away the ending. Um, but I don't make it out alive. So, uh, And then w- Drip is a silent film, which actually just dropped yesterday on our YouTube oh, cool. uh, nice. on our uh, YouTube channel. So if you go to birchcoffee.com forward slash YouTube, it will bring you right to it. And, um, and then we did a cartoon uh, for a pour over, which Paul and I do do the voices for. And they're actually, we're drawn into the cartoons, which is a lot of fun. And then we did a, we did a Chemex in the style of a documentary. And so they're, they're just, they're, they're interesting ways that we try to engage. We're always trying to keep the conversation going, try to give the brand a voice. Um, because I don't know, I, I don't think coffee is boring, but maybe some people find it a little bit boring. So, um, we want to just let everyone know it's like, it's the most exciting product in the world. (laughs) Um, we're going to uh, start to wrap up with okay. a rapid fire. Oh, segment. fire away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're just going to throw a bunch of questions at you. Uh, starting with, you uh, said that your the card that you like to pick up in, in the Birch Shops uh, for the conversation starter is a, a something about what superhero would yeah, you be? Yeah, yeah. How, what's your answer to that question? So, I, Superman. I mean, without, without <laughs> skipping <laughs> Why Superman? So, um, I think the most fascinating thing about Superman is that he he's a man that has all of these capabilities, but he is I think he's still super super humble, um, and I, I just truly truly identify with that. I mean, I can go off and like talk about Superman two and how it's the best movie ever made, <laughs> um, 
but he's, he's like a real, he's real. And that's why I love Superman. Well, what did you eat for lunch as a kid? Uh, peanut butter and jelly. That was, that was a big thing. What kind of peanut butter? Creamy or? Cr- uh, smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. No, none of the chunky. Nah, no chunky for me. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Um, uh. What's your egg order? Speaking of uh, Oh, yeah, eggs. egg oh, order. Um, scr- uh, scram- like, just scrambled? Sure. Yeah, scrambled. Okay. Scrambled eggs. A pet peeve at a restaurant, not a coffee shop, because we already talked about that. Um, oh, that's a good one. I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> um, I'm going to say when I am not, basically when I'm sat and I don't get a menu for several, for, for too long. And I don't get a menu. And I'm just kind of left sitting there to try to figure it out on my own. Like, I've actually gotten up and, and gone and grabbed menus. Yeah, you do. But that's, that's one of them. I can go on and on and on, but I'm not going to. Um, if you could master any skill overnight, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Um, play the piano. Oh. Do you have a, a particular genre style that you'd like to uh, Well, to I, like I said, I, I'm a big electronic music fan. Yeah. And so um, I, I dabble a little bit. Like I try, I, have a, I mean, I have a little kind of, I, I would call it a studio, but it's not a studio in my apartment. It's a, it's a Mac and a little MIDI controller. Um, and I like to kind of putz around. But uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to play piano overnight. Um, so. Favorite thing about your two pit bulls and pit bulls in general? Um, they're a very, very misunderstood breed. Um, and generally it's the owners. <laughs> Always. Um, but they're, they're the absolute sweetest dogs on the planet. Um, I love my two pit bulls. So, um, every night when I open the door, I mean, they sleep, I sleep on their bed basically. <laughs> like that's how, it, that's how kind of it goes. And I have one of them that will, like, she will always plop down right in my spot. And every single night when I go to bed, I have to, like, ask her to get up and, and move. But she does it. Like, she just, like clockwork. She just goes. She knows that she's not supposed to be there, but uh, she does it anyway. So, but it's okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, can you tell our listeners uh, where to find you and Birch before yeah. we leave? Um, sure. So I, I've never shamelessly self-promoted, so I'm, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, go for it. So go I, for I, it. I actually just started an Instagram maybe a Ooh, month ago. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird. It's, so it's Jeremy S. Lyman, but everyone's like, dude, it's Jeremy Sliman. <laughs> so it's Jer- at, at Jeremy S. Lyman. Um, also at Birch Coffee. You can totally follow us. And uh, we set up a subscription for coffee, so you can never you never have to run out of coffee, and it just comes automatically. And we throw some extra fun stuff um, into into the subscription every every week, every other week, or every month. So just head over to birchcoffee.com forward slash b c c. Cool. Um, and I think uh, yeah, and you can come to check out our website and uh, see where you want to go because there's ten ten locations. So cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you, guys. This was yeah. awesome. Um, and thanks to our engineer, Vitor Hirsch, and our uh, awesome theme song uh, band. The theme song is Blind by the Red Crickets. And uh, yeah, tune in again next week. Who are we interviewing next week? Uh, we are interviewing Michelle. Yeah, you're no. looking at me. I don't remember. I asked you. I um, um, well, it'll be a surprise. Tune in next week and, and see who shows up at our at our studio. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, questions for Jeremy, please reach out to us at whyfood at heritageradio.org. Cool. Thanks. Thank awesome. You. Thanks, guys. 
for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Ever wonder what kind of podcast Julia Child would have made? Probably would have been one where she introduced you to all of her latest discoveries and favorite people. And that's exactly the tradition we're following on Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. Join me, Todd Shulkin, your host, and the Foundation's Executive Director, as I bring you inside the Foundation's world to meet the bright lights of today's food universe, just as Julia used to do from her own famous kitchen. New episodes air on Heritage Radio Network, Wednesdays at noon Eastern. Listen in.